So today on Small Biz Matters, we are speaking about something... I thought with after after speaking to the National Retailers Association and how difficulty how difficult things are in part, some parts of the country, it would be a good idea to think again about your business development, your growth, and in particular your strategic partners and how you can implement change management. So running a small business is never a solo road. Your path is often guided by key stakeholders or strategic partners who help you. They might be people who work within your business, key clients, suppliers, or even supportive advisors. But fostering these relationships is very important to running and growing. Equally important is recognising who is strategically important in your business, as opposed to people who might just play a part with giving you some advice here and there. Who is it that builds foundations and growth and who even helps you when it's time to move on or think about succession planning? So we've brought someone onto the show who's hugely experienced and keen to share this knowledge with our listeners. Annie Gibbons is the CEO of several large medical institutions, including Glaucoma Australia, has led teams who couldn't exist without the partnership and guidance of strategic partners. She's constantly engaging with and recognising the value of key stakeholders who can make or break a business. She's also the author of Becoming Annie, a biography of a curious woman, which is about to be launched in the next couple of weeks. Welcome to the program, Annie. Thanks so much, Alexi. Great to be here. It's lovely to have someone in the studio while I still can. <laughs> <laughs> just face to face. I just I do get so excited when you speak to people and see people. And I think that I think now more than ever that that concept of relationship building is something that we need to be even more mindful of while we may be in a period of stagnation or not particular growth. If anything, doesn't this give us more time to build those strategic partnerships? Absolutely. I think if there's one thing COVID has, has taught us all, it's just that we actually need humanity. We create, we, we crave the human aspect of, you know, business mm. and relationships and how important they are. And so it's been a key time in the businesses that that I'm in uh, that we've actually used it as a time to focus more in on who do we serve and how can we obviously help them more. And then what relationships, what stakeholders are around that we can actually spend more time getting to know, sharing new strategies, uh, seeing opportunities that are around. You know, it's not all doom and gloom. There's plenty mm. of time now. I'm finding people are available to chat, available to share more often previously they were a bit busy when, when you know their diaries were full and now they're like oh it's so lovely to to have a chat and have a share about what we could do uh, to turn things around that's right appointments can be made within a week not within a month absolutely <laughs> totally new concept and I guess the not-for-profit sector in particular um, in medical it, those strategic partners can make or break an institution how what can small businesses learn from that uh, that concept of strategic partners from someone like yourself? Yeah, so as CEO of Glaucoma Australia, um, we've seen uh, a huge result from our strategic um, partners and our, our strategy over the last three years. And what I mean by that is prior to that, we'd sort of, we have people with glaucoma who obviously have irreversible but preventable sight loss. And we were, we were hoping that their professional might send them to Glaucoma Australia for support, or we were hoping that the patient would know about Glaucoma Australia and contact us. And we had around 300 people a year on average who did that. 
changing our strategy to actually say, okay, well, where are all the touch points with that patient? That patient is at an ophthalmologist, an optometrist, a pharmacist. They see an orthoptist. They go to their GP. We need to make sure that our website is is engaging. We need to look at our social media. We need to look at our collaborative partners like Vision 2020 and everyone else in the optical space. Uh, We need to get ourselves in media. So all of those touch points with all of our stakeholders have dramatically changed the the engagement that we have with patients. Now we've just gone over 7,000 referrals within two years of changing this strategy. And so it's really exciting and it kind of was perplexing at the beginning. I was told, don't focus on the stakeholders, focus on the patients. And of course, that's what we want to do. However, to get to the patients, you do need to engage the stakeholders. Mm. A patient will go if they're practitioner sends them to um, to us to help them. And so very much it's about developing those relationships and not just asking them to send the patient to us or to help us out. It actually is to show them the value that they're giving their patient. They're giving them incredible value by offering them additional free education and support by a not-for-profit such as Glaucoma Australia. And that seems to me quite logical, but I think it's difficult for small businesses to take a step back and recognise who those strategic partners are. So um, I think people who are better at networking will recognise that that person may not necessarily be a direct client of mine, but they're going to be a strategic partner because they might refer me, they might talk about me, they might spread the word about what it is that I do. So as a small business owner, how do you recognise whether someone is a strategic partner or if they're just someone who you know as another business? How do you, how can you tell the difference between the two? There's businesses who are aligned in your space. So for example, for Glaucoma Australia, that might be the Macular Foundation or it might be Diabetes Australia. So they're in the eye space. They're all fighting um, eye diseases. And so that's great to be aligned with them. And we can piggyback at a third level strategy, I suppose. If they're doing something to save sight, then we want to save sight. And so it's really important to engage in that level. It's also really important to engage to a government level if you're all in the same sector Mm. to be going in a united front. You know, to obviously, you know, we would love everyone to automatically get their eyes tested at age 50, for example, every two years like they do for your breasts and your bowel, for example. And then there's other strategic partners such as we've got the Governor-General of Australia as our patron and we've got Kurt Pengilly from In Excess and they're ambassadors and patrons and they can actually just extend our reach and get into whole new sectors that we wouldn't be able to do. We've also got obviously boards and committees and people in the optical profession who can do so much more than our small team at the Glaucoma Australia office. So when I've only got six staff, we can we can do what we do incredibly well, but it's only got limited reach. Mm. And so we can partner with these other stakeholders intentionally to, to get our message out. And some of them have opportunities that we wouldn't have. So for example, pharmacy, you know, we hadn't traditionally looked too much at pharmacy, but every person with glaucoma is getting their prescription, 90% of them are on drops. And so so they are going to their pharmacist every every month. And so why wouldn't we want to tell every pharmacist when they give that prescription out to send their patient to us? And so it's about looking in and saying, well, where does your customer or for our in our situation, a patient, where do they go? What do they need? And who can help them on the other side so that we can actually work collaboratively? So in your world, you talk about patient journeys. And I guess in the small business world, we talk about customer journeys. Mm-hmm. Is that a really good starting point? Is to map out the pathway that your customer does uh, when 
I guess you've got a problem you're solving. How does the customer typically try and solve that problem and how do they get to you? Is that a good way to map out that journey and find out who the key stakeholders might be along the way? Absolutely. So it wouldn't matter which business I was working for. So for example, that's right, in Glaucoma Australia, I talk about a patient journey. Uh, I'm also on the board of the Australasian um, College of Optical Dispensers. So that's got customers as in students, for example. And so every, whether it's a someone going to a shop or a student learning or a patient, they've all got a journey from the moment that they either enrol or purchase or get referred to um, someone, they've all got an initial moment of, you know, well, how did I find you? Why am I here? What problem do I have? How do you, how do you solve that problem? Mm. And it's very acute at, at the beginning stage. And so it, it's about mapping out their journey, who is who are they connected with? So in the medical space, for example, they'll have a variety of practitioners they are. You know, my father had a brain tumour years ago and he had his oncologist and neurologist and GP and there's many cogs in the wheel. There's many people that connect them and the poor patient or the, or the customer sometimes is going, well, who's actually looking after me? Who puts it all together for me? How does it all work? And so it's really important that we know all of their, their journey in a crystal clear way so that we can anticipate what their questions will be. Uh, you know, we're assuming you're going to need to know this information now or we're assuming it's COVID at the moment. Did you know how to go and still see your uh, practitioner? Do you know how to get a prescription from a pharmacist um, online? Do you know how to use telehealth? Do you know how to access the free webinars? So these are not services that you're necessarily doing. You're not necessarily doing telehealth, but you're explaining, you're doing it that education piece on how to solve that aspect of the problem. And I think that that's one thing that small businesses at the moment have the opportunity to do, take a step back and say, well, how are my customers operating at the moment? Where are their difficulties? I may not necessarily, if I'm an accountant, for example, I may not necessarily uh, be able to connect them with their local business chamber because I'm not the marketer, but I can highlight to them the importance of chambers and the way that they support them and and have that advocacy role. So it's almost as though you need to think like your customer. It's the old-fashioned notion of really understanding innately your client and who your ideal client is. 100%. So you need to know who is your patient or who is your customer, who is your client and what are they needing today? And so it's it's about standing back. That's right. Instead of the service that you want to provide them, it's actually flipping it around and saying, well, what does that problem, that customer need at this time? Mm. And if they've got anxieties or questions that they need answered, then we can actually be helpful. In business, the more, you know, that's what stakeholder engagement is about. It's about actually serving that person helping them out and they'll greatly appreciate that. So we'll get um, patients ringing up all day sort of asking, you know, about specific information and, you know, even if it isn't directly related to glaucoma in this instance, you know, they'll be so thankful and appreciative and then, you know, they'll come back and, you know, they're the people who often are so appreciative they'll give a donation, uh, they'll share that um, good news with someone else, they'll tell other people that they should come to us because of how helpful we are and so it always comes out as a positive. And I'm thinking as you're speaking there about all the different touch points that you've got, you mentioned that there's the phone. I mean, the reality is people still communicate with one another, even more so now across lots of different methods of communication. So you need to be accessible by phone. And maybe when people are ringing you, is there an opportunity there to draw them to your website as they're making the call? So think about the touch points that your customers are making as well and how you can support them, not just in 
guiding them to be a client, but how you can support them on their customer journey as well. I wanted to ask you about what have been the real big challenges with working, because obviously small businesses will work with with larger organisations. So what are some of the challenges that you've faced when you've tried to implement this change management at Glaucoma Australia or any organisation? Uh, The biggest challenge is that people like the idea of change, but they don't know how it will impact them and if that will be a positive or it'll also change their workflow. Mm. So, for example, uh, we've now partnered with an online referral partner, which is fantastic. You know, around around 60% of our referrals come directly um, through a cloud-based referral system. So, this is terrific. However, we also only have 5% of people using it because it's a new workflow. You know, even that they've got to tell their patient, would you mind getting a free referral to someone who can help you? And only 5% of people, um, practitioners will still be doing that. Mm. And so that's disappointing and really challenging. How do we actually get them to, one, appreciate it's a good idea to do, but then to change their work practice? And it might only require, you know, one extra minute. But it's, uh, you know, we've got such automated behaviours that we've been working in a certain way and we just, you know, we send from an optometrist to an ophthalmologist, oh, I forgot to refer them to Glaucoma Australia in this instance. Uh, And so how do we do that? And the same thing happens with small businesses. You've got to be constantly reminding your strategic partners to mention you. Exactly. Uh, It's kind of, you have to be, without being, uh, you know, in their face and and demanding, you have to say, oh, okay, you could have, that would have been a really good um, mention, like that would have been a good mention for me or yeah. or you could have guided them to my website so I could help them in this regard. It's, it is a tricky conversation to have, I guess. It is very difficult, but, but the ways that I've worked around it is I get myself as a speaker on their conferences, for example, and I turn up at the conference and go and say, oh my goodness, I hope you're one of the seven... Um, thousand referrals that we've been receiving and so it's kind of like well why aren't I at that party you know if 7,000 other people were referred but my patients weren't and they're sitting there thinking oh I really should make an effort and and change my practice we'll also give them automated um, emails back and say thank you for referring your patient it's now resulted in you know them coming to us 20 years earlier than they used to or being able to improve their medication adherence um, which will stop their, them losing sight uh, and so when they see the direct benefit mm. of a small effort, uh, it's a win-win. And so that culture is changing. And I am really positive, you know, that, that we have grown so exponentially, which is a wonderful thing for our patients. However, we should be getting tens of thousands of referrals yeah, every can... year. So do you know what I mean? You get excited in one hand and then you go, oh my gosh, if everyone did the right thing and it's not even very hard, uh, imagine the impact. We actually have the impact of being able to, you know, stop glaucoma blindness in this country in in just a couple of generations if everybody did the right thing. So Mm. it's kind of the the frustration or the challenges is actually not that hard. Let's all work together. I'm really enthused that over only a short period of time, two two or three years, all of the stakeholders have have actually united and now it's just about changing practice. Obviously, you've made massive changes. Those numbers are pretty impressive and I'm sure that the listener out there is going, well, that's great. I don't really have a team of... 50 or 60 people behind. Your team is quite small, isn't it? Our team is very small. We've and got, yes. how does how, what advice would you give to a small business owner who has a small team but wants to look at change management 
uh, with such a small team? How do we move past that that barrier of, of size? It's about, yes, looking at your opportunities to scale. And so for us on a very small team, we've only got six FTE. And so where do we focus our time? At the moment, it's it's very heavily um, weighted on social media and, and marketing to get our message out. So prior to that, it was about getting our campaigns together so that we actually knew what we were communicating. And so there's different stages to different businesses. We are also now focusing, um, moving forward on more IT. We're getting a new website and that's very exciting and we'll be able to have, you know, chatbots and things like that on the website for people to engage in more different ways as well. And so it's about looking at your team and finding out, well, how can we be as effective and efficient on a, on what we've got? It's also then about saying to the next level, uh, okay, well, who are all our immediate partners? So for us, it's all about, you know, having, having committees. We've got fantastic committees in optometry, ophthalmology, um, pharmacy, and they're doing that pro bono they come and they go how can we help you Mm. and it's not very hard for them and there's people out there in all industries who are saying oh just let me know how I can help you and it might not be massive and I think people get worried that you don't want to you know it's almost like don't even tell them they have to chair something or run something it's like would you like to partner with me to help save sight and that's a really good (laughs) way to show like to recognize someone who's a strategic partner literally someone who has said to you how can I help you I really like what you do what can I do to help? And you need to have something at the ready. A lot of people make it too hard and then they go, oh my gosh, like I can't even unpack it. I don't have something or, or they're too much of a control freak that they can't release something. Yes. You've got to know what you can outsource and you've got to things have things at the ready. So for example, like for us, we might even have a 90-year-old person come in and want to volunteer. Well, they can sort of prepare some, um, pack some um, newsletters for the mail out. We can also have someone who could help prepare um, some, you know, do some filing on Christmas cards and so forth. It's a great piece of advice. What is it that they can do? Or we can have the professional saying, yes, if you're speaking at a conference or if you're writing in a magazine, can you also drop in our name and and why it's such a great joy to be partnered with us and what we're achieving. And so the reach is actually massive when you really think it through. So for example, Kirk Pengelil came on as our ambassador. Kirk got glaucoma at 29 and he has just got a whole different marketing in glaucoma week. We reached you know, more than 12,000 Australians just because of Kirk, you know, and he just sort of came in to go, how can I help? I'd love to. And he's only got to do that, you know, for a short period of time over the year. It's really easy. It's not hard for him, uh, but the impact is massive. And so it's capitalising on those opportunities. But like you said, you need to recognise and move quickly when someone is able to, when someone has the time to offer you help, you need to be able to hand them something and say, well, it would be really great if you could mention us in this article. It would be really great if you could point people in the direction of my website. I'm just thinking in terms of small business now. It would be great if you can do a shout out uh, because you've enjoyed working with me or we could do like a little sit down interview um, using our phone and we can put that up on LinkedIn, for example. So I think there is a bit of a brainstorming element to this and I don't want people to get lost in uh, the, the magnitude of what it is that you've achieved because if you distill each of those things they can be very useful for small business yes. as well. Distill it down, think about who your strategic partners are, but importantly, who what they can do immediately to help. Um, can I ask you how long, how forward, how far forward do you plan? 
Oh, I always have a massive vision. So I want to know what what can we actually see happening in 20, 30 years? You know, okay, that's quite a lot of blue, Yeah. <laughs> if we've got the blue sky, you know, so for example, for glaucoma, can we actually eliminate glaucoma blindness? You know, if it's my, um, you know, my my business um, mentoring and coaching women, you know, what sort of, you know, how could lipstick consulting look in 30, you know, 20 years um, and what would that take? But generally you want to have a three to five year strategy. And so that's what I've got with everything. I've also got it rolling. And so I don't go, I start here and I just go for three years and then I, then I go again. I actually have a three to five year rolling strategic plan so that we're always assessing and monitoring. Mm. Because if you're not doing that, uh, you're not, you you're not going to become really flexible and adaptable in the in the market, and that's what's been required now. If people haven't pivoted to be doing Facebook Lives for the first time, to be increasing their LinkedIn presence, uh, whatever their wherever their market is, if it's on Insta, put it on Insta. If it's on Facebook, don't just go, don't just be busy, be intentional, and that's what we need to be doing all the time. Every single minute of my day, I'm thinking, well, where should I be spending that time? Where is the best return on investment of my time for who I'm? I'm working for and who I'm serving. And so, for example, I've, uh, you know, we've, I've spent a lot more time um, engaging and writing articles and being present in LinkedIn. Now, there might not be return on that immediately, but people will then suddenly see you, you're, you're a thought leader in that space. Mm. You know, you're someone who, that we would come to. And so that constant presence, when people get overwhelmed and go, I can't do X at the moment, well, you can certainly do Y and then, and then continue on in that way. And then, it, you know, once the economy gets going again, you'll be prepared, for example. And so there's a lot of things that we can be doing at the moment. For example, we're rebuilding our new website. It's actually a really good time during COVID. We're also increasing our um, all of our, you know, we're doing Facebook lives with clinicians for the first time ever who are like, oh my gosh, how do we do this? But it's been a really great thing. You know, we've learned new skills. We've 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 demonstrated that the office can go fully on offline, mm. um, that staff um, can be really flexible and working from home is really great um, at times and you know it's allowed us to suddenly look at our strategy and go okay well we don't want to change the strategy but how we do the strategy is extremely flexible. Indeed indeed we've come up to the top of the hour but I I want to get you to hold on we're going to go to a break and listen to some national radio news in a moment but what I want to do is talk to you a little bit about uh, you know how to how that the, the, the overall vision that you have for the company, how to chunk it down into steps and, and bring that down and utilise all of the, I guess, your skill set of your staff as well when creating a bit of a strategy. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM. We'll be back after the news to talk more with Annie Gibbons, who is an author and CEO of Glaucoma Australia. Welcome back to Triple H 100.1 FM. You're listening to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. We're talking all things small business, education, advocacy and support. And today we're speaking to Annie Gibbons, who is an author and uh, a CEO of quite a number of medical not-for-profit organisations. She's sharing with us that all-important aspect of running a business, which is recognising who your strategic partners are and how to implement change management. Now, just before the break, Annie was telling us about marketing strategy. We're all very familiar with that concept as a small business, but it can be quite overwhelming. How do I take what I'm going to do in three years' time and break it down into little steps so something that I can implement on a daily basis? What advice would you give, Annie, to small businesses who really struggle with making a grand vision and taking it down to what can I do right now? Yeah. 
Thanks, Alexis. So as I was saying before the break, you know, you want to have a grand vision and we've got big, bold visions and it's super exciting, but that will happen over many, many years. And so it's really important that, so for example, if I'm um, at Glaucoma Australia and I'm wanting to, I'll, I'll have three levels of detecting someone with, with glaucoma. We'll, we'll be able to use that through our marketing and advertising campaigns through our staff. We'll be able to go the next level up and, and, and be helped by our boards and committees. And then we'll be at that high level and be able to network with our strategic partners. And so we have a layered approach. Saying that, in that strategy, we then need to, to be able to break it down into bite-sized chunks and go, well, what is actually achievable day to day? And so that's it. A marketing campaign, you know, well, it's just so, it could be as, as huge as you want it to be. And so, for example, with Glaucoma Australia, there might be, uh, uh, you know, 10 risk factors, but we'll have a risk campaign with the four key ones. Because one, the market can't cope with too many messages mm-hmm. of what are the main risks. And then we'll actually, out of those four key risks, we'll then go and pick one, which is our primary campaign. In this instance, it's Family Link. So we'll have Family Link and Aging and African or Asian Eye, but we'll focus on families 100% of the time. And then we'll have, narrow it down to four. We won't go um, all guns blazing in 10 different areas because it's too much. It's not sustainable. So I think from a small business perspective, you need to think, well, what is sustainable? If you're going to do it, you need to do it well. And I think a lot of people spread themselves too thin. They want to do all things. And so I want to do it in a layered approach. So for example, even if I've got that three to five year strategy, I want to clearly know, okay, what are we trying to achieve this year? So, for example, this year we are building a new website and then next year we might be improving our um, CRM and the contact, you know, that we have with our our customers. And then we also might be wanting to build a grants program or we want to link out with entrepreneurs. You know, there's so many unlimited opportunities. If we, Even if we look at, you know, bequest programs, donation programs, um, grants, government help, um, collaborations, there's so many things that... That you could be part of. And so it's about aligning with broader groups to be a part of something bigger. So mm. such as, for example, me being part of Vision 2020, that we can all work together on certain issues. And then from a from a primary business perspective, it's actually saying, okay, well, we've in my instance got six staff. How can we actually work in a targeted way to have a really great result? So for example, at the moment, it's about promoting our, our risk campaigns and also improving our websites so that it aligns with the service delivery that we have. And that's enough. It's always frustrating because we always want to do more. You know, you just go, oh my gosh, if I had more money, had more time, had more resources, I'd be able to do all of this. Or you look at your competitors and you go, oh, wow, I wish I had what they have. But, you know, we've all got something. We've all got to look inwardly and go, okay, well, what skills, resources do we have? What could give us the biggest result? And so, you know, for us, it's, you know, there's been many things that we've done this year that haven't cost us anything, you know, such as Facebook Lives or doing webinars. It's actually got more engagement because more people have been able to help us, as I was saying before, they want to get involved. And so we've been able to extend our reach to our customer, in this case, a patient, by trying new things as well as doing the key projects. So I think it's key projects and then being flexible in the little opportunities around that. And using those strategic partners to recognise those opportunities. And and it goes back to what you were saying before about when someone offers to assist, 
instantly a light bulb should go off saying yes. that's a strategic partner. But then also immediately as part of this giant strategy and then chunking it down into little things we can do yes. to, to implement the strategy, what can that person do to help me with this little thing I need to do to implement my strategy? An example of that would be that we're corporate partners with Allergan, so a pharmaceutical company who obviously sell eye drops. And so that's a partner who might give us some funding to be able to run our risk awareness campaigns. But I, after talking with that stakeholder, I went, well, all of your reps, all of your trade are out there visiting ophthalmologists all around the country all the time. I've only got six staff. We don't have any travel and accommodation budget. And I want to know, well, where, how are our resources being represented in all of those practices nationally? And so we ended up getting a kit for all of those reps. And now when they're out and about just popping in to see the ophthalmologist about their business, they can also be the eyes and ears for Glaucoma Australia and they can be sort of looking around going, well, are they the current brochures? Do they need things? And then do they know how to refer to us? It's a very easy message. It'll take them, um, you know, a couple of minutes or just an awareness, but it's something they can do that we greatly value. So a way that we can communicate that to small business perhaps is say, who are your suppliers? Yeah. Who are you a client to? These are your key stakeholders as well. Do they talk about the fact that they work with you? You know, do they have on their website um, we're prou- our proud clients or offer to give them a testimonial to put on their website if you're happy to work with them as a supplier? But in turn, you say, let me just check how it is that you're representing me on your website, make sure that the, you know, the title's correct and there's a link back to your website as well. So it's yes. about how do these people represent your product? How can you leverage off the way that they're using your product and et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's kind of that two-way street, isn't it? Absolutely. And be thankful for that. You know, I think a lot of people undervalue gratitude and that we're talking at the beginning about how humanity has, you know, really come to the forefront from COVID. And so exactly that, you know, go back to them. For, so, so for me to go back to Allegan and say, thank you so much. And then, then be on a webinar with all of their trade and go and say, I really appreciate what you do for us. You're allowing us to extend our reach. You're not just selling eye drops. You're actually saving sight by helping us and then that person will go oh wow you know I'm appreciated it didn't cost me much I'm happy to do it some more and then I took a photo of me you know on that podcast with their with their manager and then I put it on LinkedIn and then all of a sudden you'll get you know a few hundred of their their staff will then go and like that and be part of something bigger you Mm. know so if you can make it personal that there has been value People are happy to do things if they're, they're valued and they're appreciated. Exactly. And don't forget that your small business is doing good things yes. and people want to be part of that. So although it's, it's easy to say this is a not-for-profit because you're, <laughs> you're solving glaucoma in the broader community, that's not to say that people don't want to be part of your journey as a small business. They want buy-in. They want to know that your success from pulling yourself from your bootstraps or, you know, all the wonderful things and the successes have you had. They want to be part of that as well. And if you can create an online presence that really showcases you as a successful business owner, that's not greed, that's success and people want to be part of that journey. Absolutely. So another example is I'm, I'm um, the, on the board of the College of Optical Dispensers and so that's exactly what would happen. We would have a story about the graduates. The graduates see students and their happy faces at the end of the course and they'll be in My Vision magazine and there'll be a story about the overcoming and the journeys and what it took for them to do that and the, the disruption during COVID and having to all you know miss those clinical pracs and go 
go on to, you know, um, online webinars and that they still make it. And people love, they, they love watching the business pivot and change. They love seeing that you've created energy and effort. They love the fact that you actually celebrate the client and the client's wins and that you're happy rather than it just being a product or a service. People don't, I get, get fatigued about what are you selling. They actually want you to know that you've helped someone and that you've made a difference to them. Exactly. And every small business does that. Leverage off the fact that you're a small business. Use it. (laughs) Use the success story of small businesses as a whole. If you're one of those people who is actually succeeding in these times, don't be afraid to shout about it and bring other people on board so they can be part of your journey and hopefully, because they're connected with you, get some some notoriety or some um, credibility on that as well. Yeah, And partner up wherever you can. There'll, There'll always be synergies of people that you can, you know, you can complement each other. And, um, you know, for example, I, you know, I have a podcast and so it'd be me being a guest on one and someone else be a guest on mine. And so, you know, you might be in the same industry or something completely different or you might complement. And so it doesn't matter what it is. It's look for opportunities to actually help each other and also don't be competitive with others. Celebrate them and just be confident in your unique value. Mm. You know, focus on what your unique value is and not just know it, make sure that other people hear the message. You have to be quite prominent and and bold in, um, you know, singing your song, I'll call it. And so put your message out there and go, this is what we do. This is what our customers receive. And most importantly, this is how they feel when they receive that product. Fantastic. Look, thank you so much for coming on the program today, Annie. It's been wonderful hearing from your experience and, and knowledge when it comes to stakeholder engagement and why it's so important that we need to be conscious of that, particularly now when we might have a little bit of extra time up our sleeves to be able to build those relationships. Where can people find out more about you and importantly, your book? So if you have glaucoma, obviously go to glaucoma.org.au. If you would like to um, find out about my services, it's anniegibbons.com with an I. Uh, And also you'll be able to find my biography, Becoming Annie, the the biography of a curious woman. Just go to my website, anniegibbons.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us, Annie.